This is the Improved Photography Podcast, episode 177. Hey everybody, welcome into an episode of Improved Photography. I'm your host today, Jeff Harmon. I'm filling in for the infamous Jim Harmer, and we are not the same person. Even though our names <laughs> sound so similar, we're not the same person. But I have with me today Larissa and Connor who have joined me for this podcast episode. We have a lot of stuff we want to get to. We're going to start off with a few questions of the week. The first one comes from our Facebook group from Michael Irwin, who said, I am a, I'm in a rut. I feel like I'm losing my love for photography. I just want to take my camera everywhere with me like a little puppy, but I don't end up taking any photos. Any advice? What do you think, Connor? You know, personally, I would just say you need to just suck it up. If you have your camera with you, start taking a few shots. Even if even if they're not going to be anything that you end up wanting, at least it'll get the juices flowing and get you thinking about how to frame things and different things to start looking for. I find that especially living in a beautiful city, people come here and take lots of great photos. And despite the fact that it's beautiful, I feel uninspired all the time. And then I take out my camera and I'll start shooting some things and realize, you know what, there's some really cool things around me here. And it just happens from opening up your eyes and taking a look around. I think that happens to a lot of us. We think there's nothing to take a picture of around us because we see it every single day in the place we live. But there's lots of stuff to take pictures of. You just have to like observe things a little bit harder. My wife always Absolutely. tells me that I didn't notice anything until I got a camera. <laughs> <laughs> so, so there is that. What do you think, Larissa? I think one of the things he could probably do is to change what he's looking at. You know, if he normally does landscapes, maybe try and change to street photography for the day or something like that. Just get a totally different perspective on what he normally shoots. Or you could Definitely do like what, uh, what a lot of the IP gang is doing this week. They packed up and headed off to China. That'll take you out of a rut. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah just on. China. If, yeah. if you're in a rut, go to China. <laughs> I've seen them posting a little bit on Facebook about some of the stuff. They're getting some great shots, but they're they're having a good time too. It'll be fun to hear from them when they get back. Oh yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yep. So so I think that's a, that's some good advice. It's just just keep at it. Just try to find something maybe you haven't done before. Whether it's uh, going to macro if you've never tried that, then see what that's like. It can be really cheap if you just like use an extension tube and and try to get it to work that way. Whatever it might be, something that you haven't done before, a lighting thing, whatever, something to reach for. Maybe you haven't felt like you were comfortable with. Do something different. And then the other stuff will, I think, come back to you. Or Larissa, didn't you mention just getting a, a gig? Yeah, if you <laughs> have someone pay you, you sure definitely want to shoot them, that's for sure. Or photograph them. I got some <laughs> last time shooting babies, so photograph right. them. Right. Well, and you know, I would say that one of the times in which you really learn how to make creative and new things is when you're stuck in these kinds of ruts and you push through and it. I'm just going to go back and say start shooting, shoot whatever you can, just push through and force yourself to take some photos here and there, and you'll start discovering some really cool things. I suppose I have a hard time really giving a lot of advice here because I can't say I've ever actually felt like I've been in a rut. Uh, maybe oh, it's, lucky you. Maybe it's because my hobbyist time to do it is so rare <laughs> that uh, I am just itching to go do it whenever I can. And have a lot of time to think of new ideas. Yeah, I mean, I, I have a backlog of photos that I've still never touched. Uh, it's just never ending. So I've never really been there, but uh, <laughs> I could see where someone could if they've, if they've done it a lot. 
Or maybe he could leave his camera at home because I know every time I leave mine at home is when I'm sitting there like, man, I wish I had it. That's when Mother Nature puts on a show, right? When, exactly. <laughs> every time. When you don't have it. Yeah. Or you're in a spot that's just like the, the surroundings are air, ugly, ugly, not worth taking a picture of. But there's this fantastic sky. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's go to the next question. Angela Sanchez, also on the Facebook group, she asked, I'm getting, well, I'm not going to read the whole thing because it's quite involved, but basically her computer updated to Windows 10 and she's having a lot of trouble after doing it. Uh, mainly just even installing apps. She got Lightroom to finally work. She had some user permission errors and uh, Photoshop would just wouldn't even install. So I, I liked this question because I've actually seen it a lot, not in our groups, but out on like the Adobe forums that I troll frequently to see what people are complaining about. And uh, this has been a really common problem, especially the permissions error after they've upgraded. Um, I, I don't want you to get the wrong idea that everyone who upgrades to Windows 10 experiences this. I've done it on multiple machines now, have had zero problems with Lightroom and Photoshop, but there are plenty who have. And uh, the advice I gave her, what she'd asked about was there is a tool that Adobe provides called the uh, CC Cleaner, Creative Cloud Cleaner. So basically what you do is you uninstall everything, like all of the Adobe apps, get rid of every trace of Adobe in, that you've installed in Windows. Then you run this CC Cleaner tool and it will clean up more stuff that doesn't happen when you do the uninstall. And then start, hopefully get you to a point where it's nice and clean and fresh and you won't have any of the challenges when you go to install it. Now, this doesn't mean it'll get rid of your catalog from Lightroom, which of course would be a problem. It should mean that it just cleans up the install of the program. And once you get it installed and working again, then you load up your catalog and, and you should be good to go. So it could be sound a little scary, but hopefully that'll get her on track um, if, if any people using Windows 10 are are we having problems with that? Neither of you guys are Windows users, are you? Nope. No. Um, all <laughs> Mac. I haven't used a Windows machine in you know, years. You know, strangely enough, as I went to install the new Lightroom today, I got user permission errors on my Mac. <laughs> <laughs> not on, not in Windows. Weird. Windows has been beautiful, and my, on my Mac, it had a problem today. Just today. It's the first time what I've seen What a moment it. of serendipity there. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Last question before we get on to kind of the segments from each of us. I don't know how to say this name. Zev Steinhardt, I hope, is how you say, say that. I'd say that's good. <laughs> I had a suggestion for a future podcast, and we're just going to spend a couple of minutes on the question, and, and it was about photography contests. How do you enter? What are good ones or scams? What to look out for? What judges might be looking for to win? What do you think, Larissa? Have you ever entered one? Uh, no. I've never entered one, and I've seen some. I know there used to be a website out there where you could pay to enter them, but then you could win a big prize. But I think paying to enter a contest is probably not a good idea. Yeah, so ViewBug was one that's a, it's a pretty popular photo contest website where you can go pay to enter contests. And they have, like, uh, I've seen Creative Cloud subscriptions as the prize or books, uh, sometimes gear. Sometimes they'll put up a camera or something as a, a prize. Um, early on when I was first starting, I entered a whole bunch of those. I never won any of them, but cause I wasn't very good yet, but, um, but that's out there. Uh, Connor, what do you, what about you? You know, especially when it comes to what judges might be looking for, things like that in some of these more legitimate ones, it's something that you really are going to have to judge based on what competition you're entering. Some places 
I mean, I know 500px for a long time. Some of their just regular face-offs. It's like if you boosted the saturation on your photo like crazy, you were <laughs> right. going to get win over everyone else. And to me, I just thought that looked awful. But really, a lot of these competitions, you should know kind of other ones that they've ran before and what kind of things they've like, what kind of winners they've been selecting from there. So. Yeah. It's kind of up in the air. As far as which ones are scams, I would definitely be kind of wary of ones that charge money for them. That's not to say that all of them are poor. Some I've seen some sites that are like forum-based where they have a subscription fee for the forum and doing that you're able to enter into contests. But anyone that's just like, hey, we're random, you can win a camera, pay us five bucks and you can enter – I don't know that I would go for anything like that. <laughs> right. And, and so there's a couple of things I'd suggest here. I have entered a whole bunch of contests. I had, I did eventually win a few later, not the view bug kind, but uh, anyway, uh, two things to look out for. One was, one is that, uh, make sure you really read carefully through kind of the licensing terms. I don't know if that's what you call it. The rules, the contest rules and, and bylines or Boy, Jim would know better how to say that legally, <laughs> but, but uh, the fine print, the fine print, because in some of them, the people you submit the photo to now own your photo. That's part of the rules you agree to when you submit it, that they now own it. And they usually promise to do good things with it, like only use it for promoting their contest or something, but they don't have to. Um, sometimes it's overly, you know, uh, they, they get more rights than you really would want them to have. So you got to watch out for that. Um, the second thing is, I think it can be really valuable if you find one where you get to interact with the judge in some way. Maybe it doesn't have to be one-on-one, -on -one, but whoever's judging it, if they can actually provide the critique about what they're doing, what how they're judging the photos, that can really help you to improve your photography. You'll, you'll get tips and you'll be maybe even see other people who had entered it what they did better than you, how you can start to improve it so that you have a better chance to win a future contest or just get your own photography portfolio improved. Definitely so. I mean, I know a few people that were really big fans of entering ASMP, um, which is the, what is it, American Society of Media Photographers. Um, and they have very strict guidelines in the, in the way that they judge all of their photos. And they can break down every little detail on why your photo is good, bad, ugly. And those people have actually gotten a lot better at photography. Given, I would say that there's a degree to which the rules that they use are a little bit old school and a little bit overly technical. It kind of takes away some of the artistic side of photography and you being able to make your own judgments of what you like. But it can be really helpful for improving what you do, especially if you can interact with the judges. Right. One of the places you could look for this would be your local camera club in your area, wherever that might be. I've participated in that a couple of times. That's always been a really good experience. I was a judge once even, and that was really a lot of fun to be able to go through all of the photos and give critique. A lot of the people were there in the room. And, the, you know, you had like this anonymous photo up on the on the screen and then the judges would talk about what they liked or didn't about it. And everyone learned it was it was a really valuable experience, kind of like a real time portfolio review. So, right. We have that at our camera club where monthly we have an assignment and we'll go through and we'll pick out the critique committee. We'll pick out probably about 15 pictures or 15 photos and go through them. And during the meeting, we'll sit there and discuss, you know, we'll show all the photos that everyone submitted and then 
go and discuss the 15 that we um we pulled out to select to critique. Well, then you have entered a contest, Larissa. <laughs> <laughs> it's not really a contest. Oh, uh, well, it's all right. Okay, so good enough. That I hope that helps, Zev. Uh, gives you some kind of suggestion. One other thing to look for is you can go over to improvephotography.com. And if you search for photo contests, there's actually a number of articles that are out there that have some suggestions on like things to do to uh, to improve your chances of winning. What what tends to impress judges? And hopefully it's not just limited to increasing the saturation of the color. <laughs> and PPA also has on their website um, the list of things to critique, you know, that they use for critiquing yep. all their um, their competitions. Okay. Very good. All right. Let's move on to our segments where we have take a few minutes and talk about what we're most passionate about this week. Connor, I'm going to start with you. All right. So just this last week, I finally decided to make a little bit of a change in my setup. Um, I am working towards replacing my backup camera with a mirrorless Sony a6000. Um, kind of a big deal for me. I always thought that I was going to hold off. I but the more and more I looked into it, the more I realized that at least when it comes to crop sensor cameras, it's kind of becoming a very strong competitor. Um, I did a lot of research. I looked into both Sony, Fuji, and Olympus and decided on Sony just because it seemed like there are a bit, a bit more accessories that can help me use my Canon lenses with that Sony. However, the other two are just perfectly fine as well. If you're looking into any of those systems, I would consider all three and just look at the different specifications and see what might work well for you. So the thing that I really love about this A6000 is the digital viewfinder. I've heard some people that say that they don't like it. They want to see what they're actually seeing through their lens. But to me, I really love that it has a live view version of the exposure before I take my shots. Um, and I can actually see the photo in the viewfinder instead of taking my face away and having to chimp in front of people. So I look like I just nailed it <laughs> and I know exactly what I'm doing in the first place. Um, also, with some of the Canon lenses, the adapters don't work perfectly and you kind of have to manually focus. But luckily, there's focus peaking on these digital cameras that give me little tiny dots around the areas that are in focus. So I can actually manually focus as blind as I am and get it right, which is kind of a big deal to me. I've never been able to do that. Um, so Sony's line of lenses isn't super prolific so far. They do have an affiliation with Zeiss and they're producing, I think it's something where Zeiss designs and Sony produces lenses in their G series. Um, but it's high quality stuff. Zeiss used to make lenses if they don't still make lenses for Hasselblad. So it, it's a very high quality lens and I'm pretty excited about those. It's also pretty awesome because I can still use those Canon lenses, so I don't have to throw everything that I've built up away. So it's kind of nice because it's becoming a lot less expensive than I originally thought it would be to transition over to a mirrorless system than I ever really would have predicted. Um, have you guys ever really considered trans transitioning over to mirrorless? Well, so that was yes. going to be my question. Yeah, Loris is going to talk about that next, right? Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But Connor, okay, so what's the objective? Why are you deciding that you want to do mirrorless? Is it just these features or what's driving you to it? You know, the, the features are definitely a plus. I, for me, it's that it's my backup camera. The Sony, at least right now for the A6000, it's such a small camera that it's really nice for a backup gear. I don't have to pack a whole nother giant bag to carry around with me. I just have this tiny little 
pocket-sized, without a lens on it, camera that I can carry around with me. And it actually is just about as good as my 60D. I would I'd say in some areas it actually outperforms my 60D. Mm-hmm. Um, however, the, the ISO performance isn't quite strong enough that it can really be a replacement for the 60 for the low-light performance. Um, so it's, it's just a size weight thing. I, I'm about to be going on a trip to Seattle and I'm really looking forward to actually being able to bring a whole set of gear onto the plane with me and have that be my little extra item. So you're going to take no, no Canon lenses with you. You're going to have the lenses that are native. Yeah. So I'm just going to bring, I might bring my 50 millimeter just Uh because that's, that's a fun, nice one. And I do have an adapter for this, but I'm just going to push myself to shoot only with the Sony to really get myself into it and even more familiar with it. Okay. And which lenses do you have for the Sony? Um, so right now I just have both of their kit lenses, but for being kit lenses, they're actually pretty awesome. Um, the, the quality of them is really nice. I don't really notice any grain in the way that I have in a lot of the Canon kit lenses. Um, the only downside of course is that they're not super fast, but at the same time, I'm planning on bringing a tripod with me. Mm -hmm. So it's not necessarily something that I would say that everybody should be doing right now. I think it's still going to be a few years before this is really like the thing to do, but I think it's something that we should start considering at least when it comes to crop sensors. So I, I mean, I personally am actually very convinced I would love it. I would love the mirrorless camera. My problem is I don't, like I mentioned before, I've got these very limited hobbyist hours that I work on photography. I'm not going to go spend time trying to sell my gear and then potentially be without any gear for a little bit of time before I go buy something brand new on these uh, this stuff. So maybe over time, but I don't even have all the lenses I want for my Canon gear right now. I just can't see where it's going to make sense for me to switch um, because of that. The hassle factor is really the thing preventing me from it. So, but, you know, okay, go ahead, Connor. That definitely makes sense to me. I mean, I understand, especially if you would have to sell everything before you were to buy into a mirrorless kit. I don't know that I would do that either. Um, I happen to find a pretty good deal on this, and I'd already been thinking about buying this camera and selling my old 6DD because I was just kind of tired especially when shooting weddings and whatnot, of having to carry two full bodies on me. Um, And after my sand dunes trip that I did, it it was a lot of gear to be carrying around. Um, So I wanted to lighten the load at least a little bit, and this has seemed like a pretty good option for me. All right, Larissa, let us hear what you got to say about this. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I've been thinking the same thing as Connor, um, and I've posted in Facebook places to find out, you know, which one's the best one and all that stuff. And it's so hard to decide because there are so many different reviews. You know, Sony is good with this, but the Fuji is good with that. Um, So we're going away next week. Also, we're going to St. Martin. And I have coming on Friday the Sony A6300 um, that I've rented from Borrow Lenses with a spare battery because if you're renting (laughs) a mirrorless camera, you need a spare battery. That's right. Um, A few. And a Sony lens. I believe it's the 24 to 240, I think. I can't remember, but it's basically a travel um, photography lens. I've got that coming so that I can save my back and not, you know, walk on the plane with my bag looking like it weighs 20 pounds when it actually weighs 50 because (laughs) I've got that D800 in there with, you know, my 
28 to 300 lens and flash and stuff. So that's what I I plan on doing. I have in the past rented, I did rent the A6000 um, and took it when I went to, I believe we went to Savannah. And then I had also rented the Olympus OMD um, EM52. I like that one. And I have one of the first or second versions of the Olympus Pen Mirrorless that came out, but I can't stand that one anymore because all the controls are in the menu. Um, and I also rented the Sony A7S II. And I realized when I rented that one during Christmas time that I did not like it. The focusing was too slow for me. So to me, I'm all about, you know, the way the camera handles and the buttons and the functions and I want to make sure that I get something if I'm going to spend, you know, if I want the A7R2, about $4,000 for the camera and the lens. I want to make sure that I like the way that it performs before I go ahead and spend that kind of money. So I think that renting cameras is a really good idea and renting gear in general so you can try things out and see what you like. Because I never would have thought I wouldn't like the Sony A7S II. Right. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Renting gear is a really good way to evaluate the gear. And usually it's not uh it's not overly expensive to do it. You um you can especially they they have some deals a, a lot that you can do it. So if you're not under a time crunch, uh Larissa, you obviously want to get through this before you go on your vacation, but Right. Um you know, they have holiday sales all the time on it. So if you're if you're itching to try something out, wait for a holiday sale, get some, get a discount on the rental and, and try it out for a weekend or something. And it's a really good way rather than spending a whole bunch of money and realize you hate it and have to return it. Then, I, I couldn't find a coupon code for right. borrow lenses when I was looking for this. And Father's Day is around the corner, but not close enough to get a Father's Day because I know they had a Mother's Day special. So yeah, got to deal well, with it. And something about renting any kind of gear is you really have to be in the right price range of what it would cost to buy that gear right. in the first place. Cause some of the cheaper stuff, it's like you're spending half the price of what that thing right. would be. And then other ones, I mean, it's not an insignificant chunk of money to buy rent an a seven R two or five uh, D Mark three. But if you have a wedding and you can roll that into the cost of it sure, or something sure. else, then it's a perfectly viable option. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. When I, we're going to um, the West coast in August basically. And I was looking into renting the a seven R two for two weeks and it's about $600. Okay. So I'm like, mm, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A couple of weeks can get pricey, but if a weekend right. that you can, especially if you can arrange, actually arrange it to be midweek. Right. Uh, Cause then they, they don't have as many people wanting to rent then. So, yeah, it's something to look out for. Look for deals. Uh, make sure you're not spending. You don't want to rent the nifty 50. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that definitely. wouldn't make any sense. It just doesn't Spend cost. $50 on a $100 lens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not a good idea. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break here and uh, say thank you to the sponsor of this episode. It's Great Courses Plus. It's a, it's a fantastic service for photographers especially. You, you can go and learn from the best. And uh, 
I want to play for you what Jim has to say about it because he's got hands-on experience with the course. I actually heard about the great courses from a family friend who is absolutely addicted to them uh, a few years ago. And uh, he's just learned so much on all kinds of things. And so when I graduated from college and I wasn't you know, going to class every day and in an organized way learning new things, I wanted to keep expanding my mind and, and learning as much as possible. And so I have bought a few times courses from The Great Courses. The idea of The Great Courses is that they get college professors and industry professionals, the expert on a whole bunch of different topics. I mean, uh, music, literature, math, travel, science, history, and yes, photography. Um, and they teach a class, a master class on whatever that topic is. Uh, they have a na National Geographic photographer that has some excellent photography courses. Uh, I've taken some of their courses um, in religion before. Um, and the cool thing about the Great Courses Plus is that you get it all in one dashboard uh, with tons of video courses uh, on just about every subject you can imagine all in one place. So you can get that at the Great Courses courses.com slash improve and sign up today for your one month free trial that's the great courses plus.com slash improve and sign up today the great courses plus.com slash improve and we thank them for their support of the podcast we also want to thank audible for sponsoring this episode of improve photography if you haven't used audible yet you really need to. I love the service. I've used the service for a really long time. You can find almost anything you want. If there's a book that you've been dying to read, it's probably on Audible. 250,000 titles. And it's super easy to use. It's a, They have an application on, on most platforms. iPhone, iPad, Android, Windows Phone, 500 different MP3 players are supported. So if you have a, a way to listen to pre-recorded content, you probably can use Audible. They have a great listener guarantee. If you don't like a book, you can exchange it, no questions asked. I particularly like Audible during the summer months. Some of the content I listen to, I listen to a lot of podcasts like you, and it seems like they take a break, maybe they repeat content, and so I find that I need to fill that commute time in, and Audible is a really good choice of a way to do that. I love listening to the books. I love the immersive experience, the actors that read the books for you in the Audible content. It's it's fabulous. Really, really good stuff. If you haven't tried it yet, you really need to. And here's a deal for you. For our listeners, you can get a free 30-day trial membership. Go to audible.com slash improve and start your free trial today. So again, audible.com slash improve. For my segment today, I'm going to briefly go over um, what's brand new, hot off the presses for Lightroom. So Lightroom CC 2015.6. I think there's also the standalone version is updated. I don't ever check that. I should, <laughs> but but I'm I'm doing the C, this Creative Cloud subscription. So uh, I got I, the update dropped today. Uh, June 8th is when we recorded this podcast. And um, there's the usual stuff is in there. You have like lens profile updates. Uh, there's support for some newer cameras, like their raw file formats. There's support for tethering on some newer cameras, like the Canon 80D just got supported for tethering. So, you know, there might be some stuff there. If you've got newer gear, that would be really interesting to you. They fixed a couple of, of uh, pano, panorama stitching things 
in it, which I think they need to continue working on. You know, I, I do a lot of panorama shooting and Lightroom struggles with my shots frequently. So I have to go to other tools to to get them to stitch together. And it doesn't seem to be any rhyme or reason exactly about what makes it so that it doesn't work. Um, stuff that I am sure it's going to throw fits about works and stuff that looks like it should be super simple sometimes doesn't. There was one particular case that they fixed in this release uh, where if you took a whole lot of shots, bracketed shots and with the, with the, uh, a camera that takes really massive files like the Canon 50, 50 megapixel 5DS and then tried to do a panel, you got an error that said the file appears to be damaged and would give up and they fixed it. So now that works. Probably not an error a lot of our listeners have, have encountered, but that's now fixed. The biggest thing though was they did drop a new feature that I personally, I think I will use a lot. Um, I do a fair amount of family portraits and uh, some of those occur indoors. Um, not really event photography, but sometimes uh, I go to a, like do a, a family reunion and they'll all be just indoors. And um, I try my best to get the shot lined up so that I have everything nice and straight using the uh, the level in camera, using the bubbles on the tripod, all of that. But sometimes I just don't quite get it there. And and usually it's it's simple enough to fix it. In that scenario, that's not that hard to fix. But if you're hand holding and you're around places where there's nice straight lines, you rarely are going to get that exactly right. And um, especially if you're maybe trying to get a different perspective and you're either on your knees or you're laying down or something like that and trying to handhold and, and get the perspective to be right, you're, you can miss it. So I've done, usually I've, I, I, there, there's been this upright feature in Lightroom for a long time. You can go in the lens correction and do upright and it will try to auto analyze the photo and correct it so that it will look straight. But it seems to fail more than it works for me. I've, I've really not had a lot of good success with it. So I end up manually doing the horizontal, vertical distortion, just playing around with all the manual lens corrections so that I can uh, get everything to be nice and straight. So I think they recognize that because that's where they targeted this new feature. It's There's a brand new panel in Photoshop, or sorry, in Lightroom now. And let me see, I gotta go to it to remember what it's called. I think it's called Transform. It is called, yeah, transform. There's a new transform panel. So they took this out of the lens corrections panel and there's its own panel dedicated to it now. And that panel has the, the manual controls still. Those are all still there. But now it has this guided button. And when you click on that, you get this little tool where you can go and draw lines in the photo that should be straight. And you, it starts by having you do at least two of them. And you, so you draw two lines it, to, to make it straight. And that gives Lightroom the information it needs to auto straighten the photo. But if that still doesn't work, so I tried it out today on one where there was lots of corners and edges inside. There were walls and, and I, I, the perspective wasn't quite right. Uh, it was one taken very low and it was tilted a little too far back. The camera was tilted too far back. So the perspective was a little wrong. It needed some uh, horizontal correction in order to, to make it look right. So I drew two lines, it didn't quite fix it. So I hit the tool again, and then I could add more lines. And I was able to draw, I think it only took three lines. 
and it now had everything it needed to actually correct it, make it look just perfect. So I'm really excited about this tool because it's going to offer, I think, a lot better uh, capability to straighten out photos for you rather than tweaking the vertical, horizontal, rotate aspects, get all those sliders. It can be a little hard to be like, which one do I have to do? <laughs> which one do I have to slide to get the effect that I need to correct this thing? And uh, so I'm really excited about it. You guys use that much in lens correction? Man, this sounds awesome. I I try to mess around with it and you're right. It's just, it's really confusing and I end up going back and forth a bunch to be able to get anything somewhat right. And usually I just end up opening it up into Photoshop and using, what is it, perspective warp. Uh Um, Is this kind of the same thing where you're drawing out the lines of the perspective and then it kind of auto corrects to directly in front of it? This is cool. Perspective warp is definitely more capable. You have a lot better control over everything. Um, So I I wouldn't compare it as much to that. It's just, have you ever used just the ruler tool in crop? Yeah. yeah. So that it's more like that where you you use that and then that Lightroom was taken. That's been a feature in there for a very long time. And if you did that, then it just kind of rotated your crop to be straight. Right. Well, this now means you can draw more lines and now it will be able to use all of those controls to make it so that the, all of the lines you draw end up being straight. So it, I just think it's going to simplify what was just really amounted to a lot of guesswork for me anyway, previously yeah. in that lens correction part. Now it's going to be, you, you tell Lightroom exactly what should be straight and it will figure out how the slider should be changed so that it'll be and straight. I mean- Heck, if this can save me from having to go and round trip into Photoshop just to change a perspective, this seems really cool. Like something to look into for sure. Right. Yep. Is I think so. Is there a maximum number of lines that you can draw, or can you draw as many as you, your heart's content? It's a good question. I haven't played with it enough to know. I only tried three just to see how the photo would react, and it only took three for me to get. A fairly challenging one. It was one that I had a hard time getting. The I knew exactly what I was going to test it on as soon as I saw this feature. I was like, oh, that one photo? I know. I know which one to try this on. That one in your backlog. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was there. And uh, and I went and tried it. like, oh, that's awesome. It got it nailed it after the third line. So it, it, it kind of auto, um, you know how the eyedropper tool works? You take the eyedropper out and you can drop it. And then it kind of returns back to the panel on its own. Yeah. This this is similar. After you draw your second line, the, the tool goes back into the panel and you're you're kind of done. It, I guess they kind of assume if you can draw two lines, that's usually enough to get it right. It All wasn't right. quite there, so I clicked the tool again and I drew a third line and then I manually put the tool back and it was perfect. So, I don't know if there's limits to how many of the lines you can draw that you want straight, but uh, I'm really excited about this tool. I think it's going to be great. Now, if you were shooting with a really wide lens and had some serious barrel distortion, do you think that this would help correct that, or is that still something that you're going to probably want to warp around to correct? Good, good question. I don't know. I mean, distortion is one of the sliders that's there, so yeah. so I don't know if it will be able to figure that out because of these lines. I'm kind of guessing no, but I, I don't know. It's, I haven't had enough time with the tool to, to yeah. see how it is. As you said, it came out, what, today? It came so. out today. <laughs> yeah. So you'll have an update next week for us. <laughs> I, I probably have a few distortion-challenged uh, <laughs> photos that I, I can throw at it. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's a good update. Um, you know, we usually say uh, on, on the Improved Photography Podcast, wait to apply the update. But this is a dot release. This is a minor update. 
they changed very little with it. They added this one feature. It, uh, I've done it on Tune on on Windows and on Mac today, and it went well, except for the, the permission problem I ended up with on Mac. Um, but other than that, it was fine. That was easy to fix. So, um, so I, I don't have any hesitation at this point saying that you should go. You could, you're pretty safe in, in applying this particular update. Now, when they release Lightroom 7, which hopefully has a whole bunch of stuff that's changed, and they better add GPU acceleration to it. <laughs> but once that comes out, that probably will be a whole different story. We'll say wait and hold off until, until lots of more people have had a chance to, to poke at it. But I think you're pretty safe with this one. Now, since you're kind of the Lightroom expert here, do you know if they have any intention of improving the tethering capabilities through Lightroom? Because I, I would love to be able to tether, but it's just not really a feasible option because every time I set my camera down for more than a minute, it just disconnects. Yeah. So I, I think you have more challenges than just what Lightroom has. So it's first of all, it's not their focus, obviously. This, yeah. They, they have it as a feature because they have to to be competitive because in the marketplace. But it's not where their focus lies. And frankly... If I had to pick, that would be way down on my list. <laughs> you know, to speed, it's not yeah, yeah. Nice. I'd, I'd much rather if, if Adobe's listening to this, please make it faster. Don't worry about that. <laughs> but, but um, I mean, in this release, they did make it so that a few new cameras got supported by it. Uh, I know it's not as good as I think they talked last week on the podcast about uh, on one. Right. Yeah. Being, having doing a better job with this, I don't personally ever use tethering, so I, I couldn't speak to it all that well. But I think I think there's more challenges because at that point you now have to interact with the operating system and the camera. So you've got like yeah. two more variables that you have to deal with. Um, and when you go to see all the different cameras that that they'd have to support, that's it's a tough problem. That's not I, easy. I, Totally understand. And I mean, it's something that at least I, in my 6D, have wireless tethering that I'm able to do. So I can at least see what the raw version looks like. Right. But it would just be really nice to be able to import with some preset settings on it so I could actually see what a finalized pro product looked like before I actually imported it in at the end of a shoot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well hopefully at some point, maybe it'll it'll become enough of a Speed priority. first, though. Speed, speed first. first. <laughs> Glad we agree. <laughs> All right, let's get to the doodads of the week. Uh, let's start with Connor. All right, so even though I talked about getting a brand new camera, mine is a little bit lower tech than that. My doodad is the Mission EnduraCool Technit cooling towel. It's just essentially a little rag, and I think it's made out of polyester or something. And you soak it in some water, squeeze the water out, and kind of whip it around. And this thing stays cool for hours. Um, with the summer coming up and everything, I'm kind of a hot running person, so I'm always looking for ways to keep myself cool and in a home without air conditioning. This is my solution for now. <laughs> Very good. Uh, it's it's really cool. Uh, kind of expensive for just a piece of fabric. I think it runs about $18 normally, but if you're somebody that runs on the warm side, it is definitely worth the investment. It's not left my neck since I bought the thing. I don't know how the weather's done where you guys are at, but here in Utah, it went from pleasant to hot. In, in yes, like overnight. very quickly here, too. <laughs> yeah, I don't like the heat. All right, yeah. Larissa, how about you? Um, my doodad is, well, actually, it's three of them. It's Borrow Lenses, Lens Rentals, or Lensfly. They're all three companies that do rent gear. Um, Lensfly is actually here locally um, in the Jacksonville area. 
So they're really inexpensive for the area. I don't, you know, they're cheaper than the other two, but I can go pick up the gear if I want. But I think they're all great companies to rent stuff from. I've rented from all of them. And if you look for coupon codes or holidays, like Jeff was saying, then you can get something for cheaper. I think one time I got seven days free on one of the rentals that I rented. Wow. I think it was from Borrow wow. Lenses. It was seven rent seven days and get seven days free. Yeah, they certainly have up and down times. So they, they do things to drive in rentals in their down times. They know when they are. They've got that information. So they, they put out coupons fairly regularly during those down times. So watch out for them if you're thinking about trying out some gear. All right, mine is a little utility for Windows users. So we talked about, early on we talked about how uh, Windows 10, we had a, a, someone, a, a listener who had had some pretty good struggles with it. And frankly, um, even though I really like Windows 10, I'm using it on a whole lot of PCs in my house. I have way more computers than any person should have. Um, <laughs> they, uh, Microsoft's being really pushy on getting Windows 10 out there. They're doing stuff I think they shouldn't be. And as a result, um, there's a lot of people who've had their computers updated who had no intention of updating yet. It just happened for them. And that's a problem. I don't agree with how Microsoft's doing it. Now, I do think that all photographers who use Windows, you need to make plans to upgrade to Windows 10 before the end of July. That's not very far away. You're gonna, you probably should set some time aside in case you do have a problem. Uh, do, don't do it just before a photo shoot, for example. <laughs> go wait, wait and make sure you have some time to get through it. Um, it should go flawlessly, but if it doesn't, you might need some time to, to make sure it's there. I say the end of July because at the end of July is the cutoff for when it's free. The upgrade from Windows 7 or Windows 8 to Windows 10 is free through the end of July. As soon as that's done, I kind of expect they're still going to make it free because they want everyone to get on it, but they've never said they will make it free after that. So if you want to make sure you're in on the free upgrade, you got to do it before the end of July and you should make time for it. I think you'll be, you'll end up happier ultimately, even if you ha run into a couple of speed bumps, if you, if you upgrade. Now, if you don't want to until then, or if you are scared to death that it's going to happen on its own. There's a little utility, that's my dude out of the week, is something called the Never 10 app. And it's a, a URL that you'll have to go to. It's uh, grc.com slash never10.htm. But it's this little itsy bitsy tiny app from a security guy, actually, a guy who does a lot of uh, uh, security kinds of uh, research. And he didn't want Windows 10. And he tried a bunch of the tools that were out there. He tried what Microsoft said. And and he decided to create a tool that just blocks it. So if you run this, you don't have to keep it running. You run it once, you say, I don't want Windows 10, hit one button and it turns it all off. You won't get Windows 10 until you run it again and say, now I want Windows 10 and let it come. So it's a nice free utility. Go grab that if you want to make sure that you don't get Windows 10. All right, now for the do random of the week, something Jim just added recently. Uh, did one of you guys add this to our show notes here? That was this me. Wasn't me. Larissa, oh, right. I kind of thought it was Larissa. All right, Larissa, <laughs> tell, us, tell us about your do random of the week. All right. For those of you iPhone, iPad, iWhatever users that uses the lightning plug, um, this is a 10-foot cord. It's braided. I mean, we all know that the plug that comes with your iPhone is kind of short. And, you know, I'll, my battery dies all the time. So when I'm sitting on the couch... 
I normally have it plugged into a surge protector and then it just barely reaches. If it rings, I've got to unplug it and, you know, reach for it. But with this 10 foot cord, it just reaches all the way. And I had heard, forgot where it was. It's great for hotels. You know, sometimes they have the plugs on the opposite side of the room. So if you've got a 10 foot cord, you can plug it in on whatever side of the room it is and then pull it next to you. So, and it's braided too, so it won't, you know, how sometimes the cords, when they bend in all different directions, they start to break. So it's, uh, I've had it for about two weeks and it comes, the package comes with three of them in there. And I think it was under $20. Yeah, it looks like um, $12 on Amazon right now. Yeah, so I got it and I've got three of them. I've got one in the bedroom, one by my, um, by the couch and I've got a spare one hanging around. Very cool. You know, the, so <laughs> the challenge that my family has, we have a few iPhones in my family here too. The kids don't tend to actually unplug it before they take the phone. <laughs> and and that just kills the cord. I don't know how many lightning cables I've bought that get just ruined one time from doing that. I'm glad I didn't ruin the phone jack at least, the where it plugs in, but the cable just gets toast. Um, they tend to fall apart really fast. So these, this is exciting. I really like this. The, the cool thing is how cheap they are. That's amazing. Uh, yeah. there's, there's a similar kind of thing that I've, I bought through Monoprice that are really tough cables. So they look really close, but these are much cheaper than even the ones on Monoprice. So they're really cool. I like this. Great, this great is, pick. This is a really good deal. I think it's a little bit funny that on the Amazon page, they suggest using it in a car, even though it's a 10-foot long cord. <laughs> Well, but that, otherwise, this seems pretty awesome. You clearly don't have kids who need to charge their phone in your car, Connor. <laughs> Apparently not. <laughs> that happens all the time for me. I, I need to get it back to the back seat to charge the kid's phone. All right. Any van length. <laughs> Very good. All right. Thanks, guys, so much for joining me today. We had a lot of fun talking about uh, camera, photography, gear, everything. It was good. Good talking with you, and we will see you all in seven days.